Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Pastor Gerald Brooks. Thank you for taking a few minutes to just grow your leadership uh, quotient and taking another step in your leadership journey. Uh, Today, uh, I'm going to share a leadership lesson that probably has a little bit more technicality to it, especially for those of you that uh, are in church, uh, pastor church, or a leader in church. It'll have a little bit more of a technical base to it, but I think it'll help us elevate some of the things that could be helpful to everybody. And uh, so what I want to do is I want to take a closer look at church, a closer look at church. Uh, In the book, Essential Drucker, which if you've never read that book, I consider it a must read. Uh, He says there's two questions that must be answered. So let me pause there. Uh, Peter Drucker is called the father of modern management. He was one of the first great thinkers in the business arena, and he was just able to really uh, dig down deep into the uh, business arena when it came to organizational structure. So in the book, Essential Drucker, uh, he says there's two questions that must be answered. The first question is, what is your business? So if you're going to be in business, what is your business? The second question is, who are your customers? So if you're going to be in business, who are your customers? Now, he will go on and he says this, continually clarifying these is fundamental to long-term effectiveness. So, Peter Drucker basically says that if you're going to be in any kind of business, you've got to declare what that business is. Then you have to define what your customer looks like, and you're going to have to do this repeatedly, continually, uh, so that you stay on point and do not get off target. Now, let me just take a step to the spiritual side. Every church must establish biblically what their business is and then clarify who their customer is. So those two questions that Peter Drucker asked regarding business, I believe are critical for every church. And that is that every church, based on biblical values, spiritual direction, must define what their business is. Why are we in business? What are we trying to do? How are we trying to conduct ourselves? And then we have to ask the very strategic question, who is our customer? Now, when you say that to a group of ministers, here's the easy response. Well, we want to reach everyone. And it's at that point that I usually pause. I look for a second. I say, okay, uh, now that we've gotten that out of our system, let's get serious. The simple truth of the matter is every church doesn't reach everyone. Some churches reach some people. Other churches reach other people. And whether you have defined who your customer is, people who come to your church have defined who you are. Because everyone who comes does not stay. And the ones that stay usually have common characteristics that help us to understand this is the customer that you're good at reaching. 
this is the individual that you're effective with. This is the place that is sort of, you know, uh, your swing zone that you are at your best and you're able to achieve the most. So even though a congregation may say, well, we want to reach everyone, we want to reach everyone in the world, what we know is whether you've defined it or you haven't defined it, the people who visit your church have defined it. They've said, oh, you're good at this, but my need is this. That's not what you're good at, so I'm going to leave. And if we were good at reaching everyone, then the majority of people who visit our church would stay. But anyone who's done a logistical study on church knows that that is not so, that the majority of people who visit my church or any church, uh, they end up going or moving on to a different church. Why? Because Within what we call church, there are varying kinds of customers. So, if you're going to be good at what is this thing called church, and if you're going to take a closer look at church, then you're going to have to have an unwavering focus on your primary customer. You're going to have to have an unwavering focus on your primary customer customer. So let me give you uh, some business analogies, and then we can take it over into the spiritual realm. Those of you that travel in the European area and even, um, you know, some of the Asian areas, uh, there's a major company called Tesco. It's one of the largest food distribution uh, companies in the world. Probably uh, next to one company, they'd probably be number two in the world and uh, supermarket space, supermarket sales, uh, supermarket uh, driven products. Now, at Tesco, they have a customer and who they call their customer is the hurried housewife, the hurried housewife. Now, this all comes from the CEO several years ago of Tesco, and he said that he was raised by a single mom, and one of the things that she hated the most was after work, picking up her kids, knowing that she had to have dinner, she had to do homework, she had to put them to bed, and she is going to get up and do it the next day. So she was always in a hurry. She was in a hurry to get them picked up. She was in a hurry to get dinner made. She was in a hurry. And what she hated the most was walking in to a supermarket, hurrying and getting all of her goods and finding out that all the checkout lines were totally uh either empty with nobody manning them and therefore you had just a couple of uh, checkout places and there were long lines. And based on hearing his mom complain about this, he set up Tesco and said, Tesco, our person that we're trying to target is the hurried housewife. So we want to have the main things where they can get in quick. We want to make sure that we have manned our checkout centers so they can get out quick. We want to make that hurried uh, mom, that hurried housewife, we want to make that easy for her. So what did they say? 
in simple words, hurried housewife. The person who wants to dart in, dart out. That's who they made their target. They didn't want the leisurely shopper who has plenty of time, that doesn't care if the line's long, who's just going to wander the aisles and go up one aisle and down the other. They wanted the person who's going in very specifically. I'm getting this, I'm getting this, I'm getting this. And so they developed their whole business plan to create a model for the hurried housewife or that single mom. Now, on the other hand, Uh, Walmart, which is the largest food distribution uh, chain in the world, uh, their customer is a little bit different. When you ask them who their customer is, they say it's someone who lives paycheck to paycheck. So when they target their customer, they're saying, we're targeting somebody who lives paycheck to paycheck. And what that means is, At the end of the month, they don't have money left over. So at the end of the month, if you've got money and you have money left over, you're not their target. As they will tell you in their business displays, uh, we're not trying to figure out how to make a $20 gourmet pizza. We're trying to figure out how do you make a $5 pizza that is going to be quality enough that someone with limited funds can run in and get it. And so their market is paycheck to paycheck. So if you've got money left over, they're saying, hey, there's probably another market that you can go to that will service your needs, that will be a little bit more expensive and give you more options and more choice. We're looking for the person who is cost driven, who is living paycheck to paycheck, and they're trying to get from the 1st to the 15th or the 15th to the 30th, and when they get there, there is nothing left over. That is who their customer is. So Tesco, that hurried housewife, that single mom, Walmart, the person who lives paycheck to paycheck, but then think in a different industry, think of Apple. Think of Apple, the iPhone, the iPad, uh, all of the devices that they now sell. Well, their motto is simply this, think differently. They wanted to create an industry based on people who didn't think like most people who wanted technology. So versus the computer station that is set up at an office, they wanted to create the iPad. Uh, that extensive um, set of uh, various apps that people had. They wanted to make them portable, and they wanted to put them on an iPhone. They thought differently. Now, what's interesting is the biggest player in the computer and technology arena was another company called IBM, and their model was Think. So what did Apple come in and said, hey, we don't want the person who's just going to think. Our target is the person who thinks differently. So with that being said, what every business does is they determine their target. And in a few sets of words, they clarify that target and they say, this is the target. This is who I'm trying to reach. And so, uh, for the church, 
Our church customers are people who are lost, who don't know they're lost, who don't care that they're lost, and at times are forgotten, overlooked, and marginalized. So for a church, our customers are the lost. But even then, we have to distinguish because we always create this image that lost people uh, are out there and they have these miserable lives. But there are people who are lost and they have three cars, they have a lake house, they have a timeshare. When you're getting up early for church, they're at the lake house, they're laying out near the pool, they're doing things. And can I tell you, there are lost people who don't know that they're lost. They think they've got the good life. They think they've got the great home, the great cars, they've got the great lake house, they have the great possessions. They're looking at you getting up on Sunday morning and thinking, why in the world would someone get up early when you could sleep in? So with that being said, let me give you what our environment is at Grace Outreach Center. At Grace Outreach Center, we create an environment for the lost to be saved and the saved to serve. We create an environment for the lost to be saved and the saved to serve. So our main target are lost people. And then with same people, our target is to get them serving. So in your church, what is your priority? I know churches that their main targets, saints. I have no problem with that. I know people whose main target is young saints. Some people, it's old saints. Some people, it's saints that come from a certain background. But at Grace Outreach Center, our target is we want to create an environment for the lost to get saved and the saved to serve. Now, what that tells you is it tells you who our target is. And in the way that that Tesco was saying, hey, if you've got a lot of leisurely time, we're not designing our business model for you. And Walmart was saying, if you've got a lot of money in your pocket, we're not designing our business model for you. Well, at Grace Outreach Center, our model is designed for lost people to get saved and save people to serve. Now, what does that tell you? Who is the person who's going to be frustrated at Grace Outreach Center? Well, the person who's going to be frustrated is the saved person who doesn't want to serve. Because that's not the model that we create. Once you get saved, we want you serving. We want you off the bench and we want you in the game. We want you to complete the cycle. We want you to be a part of a team that's going to help us reach more lost people so we can get lost people serving. And we want to create an exponential increase that we are reaching more lost people, getting more people serving. So if you just want to sit on a Sunday morning and just hear a very comfortable lesson, that's not us. Now, let me put this in illustration. Uh, one of my dear friends is John Maxwell, and, and John is world known. He's a fabulous communicator. Uh, he began as a pastor, went into the business arena, uh, started a nonprofit equip, which I have the privilege of serving on that board, and it does dramatic things for Christ, and it's just magnificent. But because John's a friend of mine, occasionally he would call me and he would invite me to various events. 
Well, one day he called me and he said, Gerald, I'm going to be down at such and such place speaking. Would you come down? You can hear me. But what I need is I need a ride and I want to go see Fred Smith. Now, for those of you in business, Fred Smith was the creator of FedEx. FedEx, that company that basically delivers product and uh, packages all over the world, uh, he created that. So John knew Fred. He was near my area. He said, would you go over there? Fred's health is declining. I'd just like to say hi to him. So we go over there, and because I knew this was sort of a thank you uh, for John to say thank you for investing in me and my leadership journey, I just told John, I said, I'll wait outside. But a few minutes after John went in, he came out and he said, no, Fred wants you to come in. Now, I didn't know Fred. I knew about Fred. I knew his business model. I knew everything uh, that he had done, and I knew that he was a fabulous Christian businessman. So I literally am standing in the corner because I've got John Maxwell, the guru of leadership. I've got Fred Smith, the guy who created FedEx. They're talking uh, and I'm trying not to do anything stupid. That's my game plan. Get in there, listen, learn, leave. But as John was closing up, Fred Smith looked at me and said, preacher, do you know what the problem in church is? And I'm thinking, man, has this guy visited my church? I can list like a whole lot of problems in our church. But I'm trying to uh, just act semi-intelligent. And so I said, no, sir, what is the problem in church? And he looked at me and he said, he says, the problem in church is that we've let Christians become the consumer of the product rather than the distributors of the product. And when he said that, I just said, wow, here's a business guy who gets it. We've created entire ministry models for Christians to be consumers rather than distributors, rather than take what Jesus gave them and become ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors for Christ, to go into all the world and to preach the gospel and make disciples what we've done is we've allowed them to sit and just consume. Now, as a Christian, do you have a right to consume of the greatness of our God? Yes. But as a Christian, your job is to distribute what you freely received. As Jesus said, freely you receive, therefore freely you give. So at Grace Outreach Center, we've created an environment for lost people to get saved and for saved people to become distributors of the products and not just consumers of it. And can I say to all of you that are leaders in churches, as leaders, we must fight for those that are not in the room by making sure that they're always represented. So what that means is every time you have a budget meeting, Lost people aren't there. They're not standing up and saying, make sure that you spend some of your money on me. When you have the allotment of space in your church or you're doing the creative uh, moments for uh, your team to conduct a service, there aren't lost people in that room. There aren't lost people saying, make sure that when you do a service that somehow you can relate to me. Make sure that when you're allocating resources and space that somehow you don't forget me. 
See, there's always going to be saints who are going to be active consumers of all resources. But as a leader, your job is to make sure that you go out of your way to make sure that lost people are always represented. So, as a church, we have to be customer-focused. When it comes to our capabilities, we have to use our resources. When it comes to our community, we have to be willing to go outside our comfort zone. Now, all of this is great, but what do you do if your primary customer may not be revenue-producing? So let me again go back to the secular world. Red Cross, their product and their customer are disaster victims. The person after a hurricane, after a tornado, after a flood. These are people that have lost everything. They're not paying the Red Cross for their services. So Red Cross basically has a customer that isn't going to create revenue. Well, what about your local blood bank? Their customer is the person who is in need of blood. The person in need of blood is not going to be the person who can give blood. So what do you do when your primary customer is not going to be revenue producing? Well, at Grace Outreach Center, our primary customer are young people and kids. See, uh, years ago, my wife framed the phrase, At Grace Outreach Center, we do youth and children's ministry, and adult care is also provided. And that's exactly what we do. We are going to target the easiest people to reach, which are young people. See, the only way you become an adult and be unsaved is that you were ripe to be picked, but somehow there wasn't the harvest. Now, can I tell you that when it comes to that kind of thing, fruit that is set on a tree and wasn't picked, it begins to rot. And as I tell people, the difference between reaching young people and reaching old people is this. When you reach young people, you're changing the future. To reach older people, you're usually having to help them deal with their past. So it's the past that you have to help them with, where with kids, you get to be able to uh, prepare them for the future. But kids are not high-capacity givers. So one of the dilemmas is many times organizations will only choose customers that can pay their own way. But if you study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what you find out is that Jesus chose customers that many times were never going to be able to reciprocate. But that's all right. Because what God says is, if you will choose the right customer, I'll be there to help you facilitate the ministry. Now, your culture in your organization must relate to the customer you choose. Whatever that customer is, you've got to relate. And it has to show up in what you do. If you're going to say XYZ 
is your customer, then does what you do attract XYZ? So you've got to understand that your culture must relate to your customer and what you do. Also, why you do it. Why you do what you do. And then how you do it. And so when you develop the culture of your organization, you've got to make sure that if this is your, your customer, that you make sure that what you do, why you do it, and how you do it relates. Because I'll walk into churches that will say, this is our customer, but nothing they do relates to that. So you can say that your customer is paycheck to paycheck, but if all you have are expensive items, paycheck to paycheck people aren't going to shop there. So having the terminology without the culture fails. And a lot of churches have great terminology but they don't have the structure and the culture to match it. Now, when you begin to figure out your customer, one of the things that you're going to have to do is you're going to have to manage cultural shifts, and you're going to have to manage them by identifying them. Because as our culture begins to change, so let me give you a cultural shift. If you're above the age of five in America, 54% of Americans are white. If you're below the age of five, then 49 to 48% of Americans are white. What does that say to us? How society looks is changing. And if you don't have a relevant way of reaching a diverse community, then eventually the sure magnitude of cultural shifts will leave you on the sidelines. Relevance always requires regular reinvention. And that means that you've got to ask tough questions. And so the tough questions are these. If we keep doing what we're doing, how we're doing it, will we go out of business? In business, they call it stall points. That's where a business had growth, but it begins to flatten and it begins to stall. Once a business hits a stall point, only 17% of businesses ever recover. In the food and beverage business, they call it shelf life. It's how long your product can be on a shelf and maintain optimum freshness. But in churches, it's called plateauing. And it's when you lose inertia. You no longer have the velocity to keep going up. The struggle that I have is this. Many times, Christian organizations are the last to know that they've become obsolete. But if we are going to be cutting-edge organizations, then what we've got to do is we've got to be people who are always taking a close look at who we are. So my takeaways, if you can't sit down and define your customer, please understand your customer's already defined you. 
you have to define it. And when you define your customers, stay focused. Don't let other people take advantage of resources and capabilities to prevent you from reaching the customers. These are just a few thoughts that I think from a ministerial uh, standpoint and even a business standpoint that I think are immensely valuable. If you'll take a few moments and just think them through and maybe dialogue them with Key Team, I think it'll help you. Thank you again for uh, joining me on this podcast. I'm so glad that you took a few minutes uh, to be with us. I want to remind you that we have a lot of opportunities if you're interested in expanding uh, your leadership zone. Uh, I'm going to be in Tyler, Texas with Scott Wilson, a dear friend of mine who is a dynamic communicator. We'll be there uh, the first week of May doing a roundtable. You can go to Gerald Brooks Ministries and sign up. Uh, I'll also be in um, Cary, North Carolina with Scott again. And we'll be doing a roundtable, and that roundtable is filling up really, really quickly. Uh, Then I'll be in Toronto, uh, Canada, and be doing a roundtable with uh, Tony Cook. And then at the very end, very beginning of June, uh, I will be in uh, Pittsburgh, California, doing a roundtable with Tony Cook. If any of these work for you, Go to Gerald Brooks Ministries and sign up. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.